This is Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. It is Off the Rails Friday. Already? What do you mean already? This has been a long week, man. It's off the rails week. No, it is off the rails because we're going to have uh, Doug McClain come on. Oh, boy. In about 45 minutes. We we got a great show. Great uh, yeah. lineup. Thanks to Sammy McKee, Derek Brandeo, Frank the Tank, and you, of course, JB. But we got, listen to this. Head coach John Cooper, Tampa Bay, is going to come on in about 15, 20 minutes. Tell everybody what uh, they can expect out of Tampa Bay when the Leafs go in there for, I don't know if I'm going to say a signature, uh, maybe we say signature game. Yeah, game. Sammy's been hyping it up, biggest of the year. No game will ever be bigger in Leaf history. Has that to be a measuring stick, right, Sammy? Listen, we've been going through some monotonous ones here for the past week or so. Like but this playing... Sharks one had to be the least interesting like, hockey game of the year. Even even like against Detroit, you know, it's like, oh, yeah, Detroit still sucks. Minnesota's still boring. Like, even <laughs> though they're the best team in the league, I guess, uh, you know, the, the Devils are okay. Pittsburgh again. And now you're getting a new opponent, team you've played in the playoffs, first time since game seven. Mitch Marner, Don't... point streak on the line. Yeah. Matt Murray as the number one versus the so that's Andre Vasilevsky. The last guy to beat him in a game seven, Matt Murray. That's Wow. Love yep. that stat. So that's all good. We got, uh, like I said, Doug McClain will come on a, on a Friday. And then in the second hour, Dave Nonis, former general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, will join us. He'll be, uh, it'll be interesting to talk to him on a couple of things, yeah. including... The, the Luongo thing, and we'll talk about this later on, on yeah. whether or not you, th- you thought he should have had his number retired or not. He's in the Ring of Circle for Vancouver. Ring of Honor. The Ring of Circle. Oh. <laughs> Circles are rings already. <laughs> I, I, I knew it was a ring of something. <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> Coffee! So, He's in the oval ring of circles for the... Isn't that where he comes out to center ice and he goes through hoops? (laughs) No. That's the way it worked when I took my daughter to those, uh, uh, what do you call them? Uh, Gymnasiums. Oh, yeah, Uh, yeah. I'm not sure on gymnastics places. if If I remember correctly, Dave Nonis was the general manager that traded... For Luongo. For for Luongo. Yes, sir. In Vancouver. Yep. And correct me if I'm wrong, Sammy, because this is my six concussions maybe kicking in here, but was he with the Leafs? Was he the general manager who tried, at the time, tried to trade for Luongo to Toronto? You know who's going to know the answer to this? Dave Nonis. I think he was, because I remember it being after the playoff, when they lost in the playoffs, because he was the general manager in 2013 when they had the first epic collapse, the one that was still probably the worst, to be honest, that one. And then uh, I think it was the next year when they were looking for goaltending, that was the year he tried to trade it. We could ask him. So he was... Or was it the Leafs, the Leafs were close. I don't know. It was either Berkey and Nonis or just Nonis mm-hmm. at that point. Maybe yeah. Berkey was already gone. But we will ask him. But 
just to kind of close this off before we uh, move into uh, the Leafs and uh, Tampa Bay, John Cooper coming up. Were you pulling for that, Sammy? Do you remember where your Leaf vibe was on that? Oh, my God, we got to go get this guy. Or did you go, eh, nah, not really. Not oh, the, you wanted him. I'm though. not the biggest Luongo back, guy. No, not back even then. then even back then, then, you were in a Luongo no, guy. Because I remember it being like, "What the hell are we trying to do here?" Like it was the era of being caught in the middle. All right, like, they were like the mushy middle team, where it was like, "Are you trying to finish ninth here? Are you trying to finish eighth? Get the eighth spot and play whoever in the first round." Like I remember it being a weird move for a team that wasn't ready to compete. It was like them trying to, you know. It was a blue and white disease back then, I feel yeah. like. You know, they were really trying to compete and keep all of us happy, the, the media. Do we want to touch on Luongo in this Ring of Honor thing? He got put in the Ring of Honor? Is that yeah, you want to do that now or later? Sam, tell us what to do. Oh, no, no, later. let's do this later because we got Dave Nonis coming okay. off and we'll come off of uh, a conversation probably on Luongo with Dave Nonis and then we'll just move into what we think. Good producing. Sammy, you, you go home on for the rest of the day. You're, you're good. Uh, I got you covered. Yeah, I mean, you booked all the guests. So. All right. We, look. Yeah, by the way, I love Kipper's been out a couple nights this week. You're, you're my favorite version of you right now. You're just like, whatever. <laughs> uh, oh, you're talking Remember, about, I'm not a professional. Just... I've never. Yeah, I had a, I had a not... trucker's convention yesterday. <laughs> I got to be honest with you. If, you. if you're hearing a little bit of the frog, I hung out with truckers last night. Oh, that's the 1,200 of them. Speaking of uh, unprofessional. Not the Freedom Con. I didn't put the, the clips in for our show, so I'll be back in two seconds. Good. And then you guys can just talk away to yourselves. I'll be right back. What's he doing? No. I missed it. I don't know. I was, I was I gotta worried get the about saying something political, so I was trying to We have to no clips yet? I have. Right, but Sammy, I have clipping them all on. <laughs> I don't know what's going on. See, that's the part where he, like... You played a clip over the real words, and, and now you don't know what happened? No, and now people think, like, I, I spoke twice. <laughs> Let's just get on with the show. That was Colby. That was Colby? All right, Sammy, <laughs> clipping them all on. It was an obnoxious laugh ah, that's at one the of tail. Us. Uh, all right, so we're waiting on Keefe talking about facing the Tampa Bay Lightning. That's what's coming up next. In the yes. meantime, I'll tell you this. The Leafs have four players with 25-plus points through the first 25 games of a season for the first time since 1981-1982, uh, that being Marner, Matthews, Tavares, and Nylander. In 81-82, any, any guesses on who would have had that many points early in the season? 81-82, uh, Sittler would have been gone by then, I think. Gone, yeah. He's not one of the four. So, like Rick Vive. We have the clips. No. Uh, Builder Lego. Yeah. You got that one. Uh, John Anderson. Oh. Wilf Payment. And Boria. Boria Salming. Okay. Nice. We have our clips. I'm sorry, boys. No, don't be sorry. Sammy. I'm back. It's okay. That's pretty quick. I ran. (laughs) Did you get some dark desks in there? I ran. Damn. I ran. All right. Let's go to Sheldon Keefe on facing two-time Stanley Cup champions, Tampa Bay Lightning, when you're removed. I mean, I think uh, anytime you go through a series like that, no matter who the opponent is, I think you learn a lot about your team, you learn a lot about yourself. And, um, you know, I think we did a lot of good things in that series, but um, obviously not good enough to get get it done in the end. But um, you still grow inside of that. And, you know, you, you learn some tendencies of your opponent for sure. But every season's a new one. Every game is a new one, especially in the regular season. Uh, so, you know, we... A lot has changed, even though um, not a whole lot of time has passed. I mean, like 
it's two different teams, you know, in their own way, and obviously far different time of year. All right, Tampa Bay different or, or Toronto? Toronto's not all that different personnel wise, are they? I think new goalies. I guess that's different, <laughs> significantly <laughs> different. Jack Campbell was a sub nine hundred or about a nine hundred in that playoff series, but it wasn't. Bad. It's your horses that are going to dictate this again, are they not? Yeah. For sure. And Tampa Bay's horses are horsing. Nikita Kucherov is fourth in the NHL in points, I believe, right now. Braden points humming. Nick Paul is like Wayne Gretzky. How many points? How many goals does he have this year? Sam? Eleven. Eleven. Kalorin's up that. there too. He's got seven, I think. Doing really well. So you mentioned the horses for the Leafs. Sportsnet Stats just put out this tweet, which is truly remarkable. The Leafs' core four forwards, Marner, Matthews, Tavares, and Nylander, have combined for forty-nine percent of all the team's points this year, mm-hmm. and they take up 49% of the team's salary cap. Hmm. So there you go. They're getting efficiency. <laughs> they're not, uh, yeah, they're not overly efficient, but they're also they're not perfectly, inefficient. They're perfectly efficient. They're finely tuned machines. So how would that compare to other teams, Sammy? Get that, get that stat guy to do that. Well, like, let's not talk, is... don't bring up the Bruins, okay? I know that's the first one that you're thinking of. I actually, it was Edmonton I was thinking oh, of. Oh, yeah. With uh, McDavid, Dreisaitl, like Zach Hyman, I would imagine. Just looking at Tampa, like I'd be, be curious to do it there too. So Kucherov is 35 points in 23 games. Stamkos, 28 points in 23 games. Point is over a point per game, which makes sense. Sergachev, almost a point per game on top of the physical element and willing to be the fourth fighter. What does Sergachev have for points right now? Four goals, 18 assists, 22 points in 23 games. Okay, so that's McDonough gone, me sliding in there and then pushing uh, my my offense. But I didn't Sammy say that Hedman wasn't on the first power play unit? Mm-hmm. Sergachev is? Mm-hmm. There you go. That's a pretty big switcheroo. Okay, that's a good question for Cooper. Oh, why, yeah. why are you dumping on Victor Hedman? You don't like Hedman? You, you want to give us it? No, I mean, no, we'll say that to Cooper. But you don't want this Hedman guy? <laughs> Kind of Last time I checked, he was pretty good. Yeah, Brandon Hagel has 17 points, 7 goals, 10 assists. So the two first-rounders are, are looking good now, giving up? Well, he makes $1.5 million for the next two seasons. So, yeah, if you're going to get 30 goals out of a guy, I think that's a pretty good value. I would say that's efficient money, despite the first-rounders. Um, so who's going to start then? Are we going back to Matt Murray? Is yes. he the, the starter? It is Matt Murray. That's starter. been named. Yes, that's been named. Which... I think a lot of people are wondering now, two healthy guys, two guys looking pretty good when they're in. What kind of look can we expect in the next week or two with both Matt Murray and Samsonov? Let's go to Sheldon Keefe on uh, his goaltending plan. Well, we want to have both guys involved. That's the reality of the NHL, uh, first of all. But uh, in our situation specifically, you know, with both guys have played played so well and even coming into the season we believed in their in their abilities and, and thought that we could get a lot of use out of both that mindset hasn't changed however it's a day-to-day thing and we'll look at it based on schedule and, and whatnot and I think Matt has done a terrific job and, and has played you know a fair number of starts in a row and uh, was really got on a roll he obviously didn't play it the other night so it's important for us to get him back in and he'll go tomorrow and um, you know have a bit of a plan going forward there but we won't communicate that to, to anyone, um, including them, until we need to, because I think it's important that we take each day as they as they come and decide from there. Including them, whoops. including them stands out to me. Like 
the goalies aren't told the plan. I'm okay with it. Sammy, you raised your eyebrows at that part, though. Yeah. I, like, I mean, I don't... Are they trying to keep the competition factor up? Like, I think Dubas talked about it. I'm not sure when this was, but he said that Matt Murray excels in sort of a competition mm-hmm. basis. Like, that he, he kind of feeds off that. So is that what they're trying to keep up? Because it's very clear to me that there should... The plan should be... Matt Murray, Murray is the starter, yeah. and then, you know, if he wants a night off in a row, a couple in a row, you give him to Samson off. Yeah. To I'm, me, at this point, that's a very clear plan, and he should, that should, should just be. Yeah. I get the sense that whatever they felt before training camp with these two guys, and they're still, dis, despite what they've seen out of Matt Murray, they're still kind of sticking to the feeling that they had prior to that. that mm-hmm. they, and I'm not... I don't. I'm not necessarily saying that they were they were stuck on splitting these guys and rotating them every other game, but I think there was a real thought that, you know, unlike what I wrote earlier this year, that there was never the thought of one of them having 50 games. Right. That it it was closer to that 40, 40, low 40s range. Mm-hmm. For one of them and someone underneath that, you know, yeah. or just really tight. Maybe, I don't know, within, yeah. within six games of each other. I just feel like seven. they they have no idea what to expect here. Like going into the year, I think they took, you know, they bought two lottery tickets and hope to scratch off a couple of prizes. Things are going pretty well, but they don't want to lock themselves in by saying Murray's our guy. And then Murray comes out and you know, pees the bed three games in a row and they don't want to look like they're, you know, you know, they want to be able to say, Hey, we didn't, we're just taking it as it comes. He's not hot right now. He's going to go back. I don't think they want to commit to anyone more than anything else. But you have to, and we are talking late November now, early December, even if you go into January, like I, I, me, I like a horse. You know, we've had this conversation. I like one guy yeah. as a player. I needed to always think that Horses. we had a number one. <laughs> we need, we, you look over your shoulder, you see the one rock there yeah. and he's our guy. But are are they leaning towards working that by March, April mm-hmm. and not tipping anybody's hand in December, January. Yeah, maybe let, let it work itself out on the way there, and then and then March, April. You you know it's going to be one of them, and you you probably had hoped in September that that would have been Matt Murray. Yeah, I think yeah to begin with definitely seems like that is a hope. Hey, while we're doing off the rails Friday, and while I'm thinking of this, and because we don't care today about yes. what if I do this, uh, I saw some tweets today about something that happens in Ontario. Uh, when you guys were kids, do you ever hear of, do you hear foot hockey? <laughs> I heard this. I'm from BC and I, you know, like people talking about kicking around a tennis ball, mm-hmm. yeah, kicking course. a tennis ball, yeah. using their like hat as a glove and the jackets is, well, it's the most Post. letter Kenny. Yeah. Right. That was it. Yeah. yeah. It's the most letter Kenny thing I've ever heard. And everyone in Ontario was like, yeah, foot hockey. Kipper and I are like, both looking at you. Soccer? No, no. For the ball puck thing? <laughs> what is he guys doing? Grew up in the nineteen hey. hundreds? What, what? That explains your forehead. <laughs> <laughs> I, 
we did play. We played foot hockey until grade four. What do you because, mean? That, okay. Because so, and then grade four and up, we were allowed to have sticks for recess. So we'd play. Actual you weren't sk- allowed sticks. That's no. why you. Okay. We, like in my school where I went, Bayview Elementary. Shout out, owns out Ontario. Uh, we weren't allowed sticks until grade four and up. So until we were in grade four, we played with a tennis ball. And could your school afford a larger ball? Like no, we just, soccer. but like, well, whatever, like you're still in the, you're in the smaller spot. Like yeah. we, you would play street hockey okay. and you just kick it around. It's just the most Canadian thing I've ever heard. It's like, yeah, we, we just nets? lost in the World Cup because we couldn't get you guys a slightly bigger ball. <laughs> so the, the reason we're talking about this? It was tweets. and it blew, I, I, Someone tweeted, I think it was Mendez, tweeted about it. Like, just He was like, did people also do this or was this in my little bubble? And I was like, no, man, this is just your bubble. That's weird. And like 700 people from Ontario were like, actually, that's a huge part of my childhood. Yeah. Actually, yeah. everyone oh, yeah. did it. Actually is like. Yeah. When you didn't have mini sticks. Uh, in the hotel uh, or motel yeah. like lobbies or uh, the hallways, you you went to foot hockey. Standing up, just shoulders through the wall, through the drywall of the motel. Pretty much, <laughs> pretty much. Yeah, okay, foot, foot hockey is really fun. Things. No, no, it's it. good. Okay. I love that. Um, we got one more clip before we get to a serious conversation with Coop. Um, Nick Robertson's back in tonight. Cali Arncroft is hurt. He's not going to play. Evgeny Mulligan is out as uh, Wayne Simmons draws back in, I assume, to chat with Pat Maroon when that becomes necessary. Um, but, yeah, so Nick Robertson's back in. Why don't we listen to Nick on uh, getting back in a rhythm? Yeah, I feel like, uh, you know, it's kind of hard to, you know, I mean, it's kind of on me too, but, you know, I want to get these games, get going, get the production back. And, um, you know, it's kind of hard when, you know, you're out for a little bit and you come back. It's hard to you know, kind of get back into it. But uh, now it's a challenge of kind of just with every game I get to, you know, sorry, do everything I can to be consistent and stay in the lineup. So he's he's alluding to the fact he's like, yeah, I can't play well if I don't play. Yeah. I'm, oh, kind of hard to produce yeah. when I don't get uh, opportunity. Yeah. Hey, uh, can always get a better rhythm with the Marlies. Tons of rhythm, you know. And it's hey, you, you, you better there. learn to pick up the rhythm of no rhythm. That's such a good point. Okay, it's like because this is either going to be the rhythm or there's going to be a new rhythm somewhere better else. Better being up here than it would ever be down there. So yes. you just wait it out, and you treat every start like it's a a gift from the hockey gods to start the the first game of staying up here the rest of your career yeah you know he's got five point or five games here with no points um you know even minus one minus one even even he but his ice time has ticked up you know three games ago is nine minutes then 10 then 13 last game so you know possible they're looking to give him some more reps listen he's getting some good looks the other night on uh on a top six on a team that's one of the hottest in in hockey right now mm-hmm. I, I mean Find that rhythm and put put a puck in the net or make a good play and shouldn't be that hard with a guy that that uh, has that skill that can shoot a puck. I've said this several times that like it's not he's not in a position where he can just have an okay game. Like we need to see him do something, create something, be involved in something. He's playing with if you could hand pick lines to be on. Playing alongside Tavares and Marner is going to be in the top 20 opportunities in the NHL, I imagine. So really good spot for him tonight. He's played a few games in a row. I feel like the excuse is, uh, excuse time's over. Time to see something from Nicky Robertson tonight. Uh, his brother, by the way. Can he just okay. call his brother and say, 
Just lend me one goal. Just you just know, lend me the lend me one goal. Call me two if I get on a tear. I'll can, give can back your stats. Can we call the stats. league up and and take one off your hat trick? I and mean, pass it over to me. That guy's in first in the NHL in goals right now. Twenty two, if I'm not mistaken, in twenty four games. Speaking of off the rails Friday, if we ever get another best on best, America, please no in a big game against Canada. Look at that forward core. Yeah, Matthews, yeah. Eichel. This Robertson, Tage Thompson, like McDavid, McKinnon. I know, but they're scary, man. <laughs> yeah, they're scary. That's a develop like they've developed some really good play. Like they were always good, but it's different now than they used to be. Like they used to be much. I don't know what the word is for states, but now they're just like it's high end, high end scary skill. So I fear that they still get Anyways. Patrick Kane out there. He's okay still. Am I calling Coop? Is he calling us, Skip? No, he's gonna. When he's ready, he's gonna call in. Perfect. When he's, uh, when he's going. He's going. Uh, yeah, it's a shame that, uh, they couldn't pull it off the world cup. Well, I mean, chose not to chose not to on behalf of not wanting to do something political, not wanting to take a side, right? Like this is about Russia, the invasion of Ukraine, not wanting to exclude the Russians because then you can't say it's a true best on best, but not wanting Uh, to include them. Probably it. It's, it's a tough spot for them well i think there's a lot of people who say it's not tough they just don't get to play but but would they you want them in there would you still pay for it would you be as as interested in it where would the value be on on uh and you know it's world cup it's like four strong Countries, nations yeah. and then the uh, Team North America, Team Europe. <laughs> Wasn't the last one they didn't have Germany in there? Throw in a co-ed team? <laughs> I don't think that's going to happen. Yeah, uh, yeah, you, you're right. If you eliminate Russia and you consider that there's, you know, Canada, Finland, or sorry, Canada, U.S., Finland, Sweden, Russia, Czech, Slovak, Germany, not that many countries you think are competitive, so losing one is significant, I imagine, but they just don't want to make take a stance. Cowardice. Well, to Sam's point, though, uh, the fruits of the last 25, 30 years in America is pushing <laughs> Canada mm-hmm. really to the... Uh, uh, to the point where you it's like goalie. That's two, an issue. two powerhouse countries producing world-class talent now. Yeah, and all those guys he just met, mentioned, our best goalie is like Darcy Kemper? Who's the best Canadian goalie? Carter Hart. Well, uh, Carter Hart before uh, Ian, Ian Cole's uh, <laughs> 90-footer off the back wall. Tristan Jari. Tristan Jari, truly. It's like I don't know who plays. There's Jordan, Jordan Bennington. Is Marc-Andre Fleury still... Kicking around in 2025? No. no, he's not. No, 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 no. That's, uh, I mean. Carey Price is Mark Andre Fleury's still finding ways to every once in a while make a spectacular save, but that that uh, that's no longer there. We rolled out Waugh, Broder, and Luongo one year. All right, as promised, the head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Coop, John Cooper. Hey, thanks for doing this. We know you guys traveled. Uh, big win in Philadelphia. And then you got a what we think is a signature kind of marquee game for the Toronto Maple Leafs against you guys. Uh, how are you feeling today? Uh, not bad. It's uh, had a little quick three and four. So, um, you know, probably didn't play our best in Buffalo, but 
the big boys pulled it out in the end and then uh, actually gave a pretty good effort against Boston. They just couldn't kill off the penalty in the end, so we were okay with that game and then finished off the trip with a good, uh, good game last night. So four out of six, we'll take that. Now we just got to come home and win a couple here. So uh, we just heard from Sheldon Keefe. Uh, we just played a, a clip of uh, his talking about the, the the game tomorrow night. And, yeah, it's fresh in our memories, uh, a first-round series. Yet, you know, the, the lineup tweaks, and it's not quite the same. I mean, how do you view tomorrow night as a measuring stick uh, from both sides? Uh, I don't know. Like, to me... 82 games in a regular season. I think we only played the Leafs three times this year. So that's a minuscule amount in, in 82. And I think either game or either team, it's about making the playoffs. And and so, yeah, like, do you want to win this game? Of course you do. I mean, we're, did we play each other in the playoffs last year? We did. Was it a great series? It was. Uh, but I think it's kind of irrelevant towards this year. You know, I was looking at, you know, somebody asked me about our team and, you know, what's different about it? And I said, well, we got different players. And, <laughs> you, you know, we, we, you know, we won a cup just, I think it was 16, 17 months ago. And half our team, more than half our team, has not won a cup with us than had. So there's been a lot of turnover. The Leafs have had turnover. It's just a sign of the times when the cap went flat. And uh, But in saying that, pretty much most of the stars are still there. So it should be, like, in that respect, I always think it's, great tv because both teams have some of the best players in the league so i think it's a lot of fun coop despite the the turnover do you feel like the guys you, you've been through those battles with before have become such veteran guys such leaders like do you trust the room to get themselves up now do you lean on them as much as you used to have to before you guys won the stanley cups some of these guys uh, you know your main guys been with you through some some long playoff runs Oh yeah, we have. And no question. It's different. Um, I I don't think it's hard to explain, you know, you come as a coach and you're new and everybody's trying to find their way with each other. But I think, I don't know what the number is. You know, Stammer just got his thousand thousand point last night. I bet you I've seen 700 of them, (laughs) you know, like we've been together like a long time. And so, you know, Hedman the same, and you start, like, adding up Kucherov's years and points and all these guys. Our core has been together. So it's, you know, like, it's like family members. And so there's a lot of trust that goes into, you know, to what we do. Now, you know, do I have to come in and put my foot down? There's no question. Um, They're hockey players, and sometimes they stray off course. But this group, you know, especially with the winning and what we've done in the past, you know, going to three straight finals, there's – there's a belief in the room that we know what we have to do. And, and like I've said many times before, it's about getting into the playoffs. You've got to be in the top eight in the East. It doesn't matter if you come first or wherever it is. Like last year, we, we played all four teams we played in the playoffs had over 50 wins. Was it a grind? It was. But you can still find your way. But if you don't get in, then you have no chance. And that's you know, probably our main focus is just we've got to get ourselves into the playoffs. Just want to talk a little bit about Stamkos and you know the, the fact that you've you've seen you know almost all of his points uh, as you just mentioned and a thousand and the emotion uh, off the bench that we saw last night and just how he's really evolved for me he, he's just gone like right through the roof the way I look at him and pro- the last few years 
more so the second Stanley Cup than the first one because we know that uh, the injury was tough for him in, in the bubble. But, man, oh, man, has this guy evolved into the status for me is moving in towards that, that Stevie Eiserman type of captaincy. Yeah, he really has. And, and I've had a front row seat to watch it. But you think about, you know, just think about ourselves. Like, you're a different person at 30 than you were at 20. And just what the knowledge and what you go through, not only you know, on the ice and what you see as a hockey player and the kind of they've been there, done that, I've seen this before, but just your life. And like I'm, I, you know, Stammers, I've watched them, you know, grow up and, and turn in front go from a boy to a man. And now he's got kids, a wife, family. Like his whole life is completely transitioned. Mm-hmm. And, and then you know, with the winning that came with it and, you know, all the struggles he had, whether it was, you know, the broken leg in Boston and was that 13 or 14 when that was to, you know, the knee incident he had in Detroit a few years later. And he's had a lot of stumbling blocks um, and he still got to a thousand and he's still like, you know, kind of in his prime. So pretty impressive how he's kind he's fought back. But I think a lot of that mental challenge has kind of evolved him to into his leadership role and and not having to be like that thought of I've got to do everything. And he's really, like I said, he's just grown over the years and just been a heck of a captain here, especially since in the last few years. Coop, I imagine a hard thing to do in your line of work is to take something away or some opportunity away from someone who's had it before. I'm thinking here about uh, Victor Hedman on the first power play unit. I know here they talk about Morgan Riley and Rasmus Sandin, who should be on the first unit. I see Mikhail Sergachev has really grown up and taken strides and now getting more of that opportunity. Is is that change strictly about what Sergachev has done and how he's grown as a person and player? Well, it's a, a little of everything. And like, how do you- our guy and there's there's no bones about it he's he's been the guy he's leading the way but you know with the way our decors changed and the way Sergey's evolved um putting him in some of these situations isn't a bad thing you know is this going to stay like this forever probably not and 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 Hedy knows that I've talked to about it um but it's given other guys opportunity putting them in, in situations too and you know there was a while back our PP probably wasn't having the success we thought. We shuffled the deck a little bit, and now it's having some success. And, you know, at some point it's going to falter again, and we're going to shuffle the deck again. And that's part of what our job is as coaches. But, you know, Hedy, I've talked to him all the way through this, and Hedy's, like I said, he's the guy when the crunch time comes, Hedy's going to have the puck in his hands. And um, But it shows his growth, too, of saying, yeah, like, this is no problem. But he wants to be back. He wants to be in these situations. But he's going to have a teammate. And like I said, it's it's better to put guys in these situations now than have to panically do it later. And 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 nobody's been in these situations before. So it's worked out well so far. Uh, just yeah, and we know what ha- Ryan McDonough's gone. Uh, Philip Myers, I think, is on waivers. Just the overall uh, different feel you have for this blue line and and. The- feeling like it's a, a new unit, but it's not? Like, how how do you feel about your blue line so far overall? And could there be some more tweaking? Well, I like our growth. There's no question about it. But, you know, you start the year, um, it, it's different. Like, like Jan Ruda was 
Petty's partner for many years. Mm-hmm. And, and he's gone. He kind of seems to be the forgotten guy, forgotten guy that nobody talks about because everybody talks about, you know, how McDonough had to leave. And, and so, uh, you know, it's just little tweaks here and there and guys have had to have been given different opportunities and, you know, Cole has come in and done a great job for us and Fleury's come in and, and, and done well for us. And, you know, we've had um, Bogosian come in. He barely, you know, he was a playoff casualty because of his injury. And so he couldn't play for the first 20 plus games. And, and so, you know, Myers chipped in and foot had a bigger role and you just keep going down the line. Um, that's a tough position to play. And so, you know, guys have to learn new systems. And, and so I think, you know, we kind of hung in there. We've had some growth. And, you know, I think we're seeing some dividends so far. We're not, believe me, we are not a perfect team. Uh, but we're definitely a better team now than we were uh, opening night. You guys made some bets with your roster on some guys who, you know, I don't want to say hadn't had huge success, but looked like they will. I'm talking about Brandon Hagel here. He comes to you guys last year in the regular season as seven points in 22 games. This year, uh, seven goals, 17 points in 23 games. Looks like he's really kind of found his fit with you guys. Um, tell us about his evolution from from last season to this year. Well, so when Hags, you know, I think Julian did a heck of a job, you know, pulling him in. You know, obviously, salary cap and things like that have come into play. He had some term on his contract. And, you know, people, I think, have looked at that trade and said, wow, we gave up a ton. But, you know what, we got a heck of an NHL player that uh, has been on the cheap for us and, and really produced. And when he came to us last year, so we had a different team. And, you know, we had Andre Pallad up there, right. you know, playing with, uh, with, with Cooch and Point. And, you know, we, we needed some guys that were going to grind out, we're going to check, uh, we're going to have to play against top lines and maybe scoring, which you know every player wants to do. Uh, maybe that's not going to be at the forefront of your game, but winning is. And his checking game really, really evolved last year. Uh, maybe I, you know, as a coach, snuffed out a little bit of his offense because, be, just because of the situation I put him in last year. But we've given him this opportunity to play with, you know, what I consider two of the best players in the league, and he has really blossomed. And I think... You know, when he was in Chicago, he had run playing with Patrick Kane and DeBrinket and all those guys that kind of have similar mindset of some of our offensive guys. And so he knew how to do it. Uh, it's just plugging him in the role and good on Heggs for just being able to adapt to any situation. We're talking to John Cooper, two-time Stanley Cup champion with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Hey, Coop, uh, uh, Sorelli's, Anthony Sorelli's coming off sol- uh, shoulder surgery uh, off IR not a chance he's missing Saturday night Leafs hockey night in Canada. <laughs> I don't make those decisions. So <laughs> Come on, give us a, give us a scoop. Coop. I, I put, I put the guys on the ice. I don't put them, you know, uh, in the lineup yet. So that, uh, how much have you missed again, them? Like, well, he's, he's one of those players and everybody has them that, Guys bring teams into the fight in different ways. And, you know, Tony's one of those players, and I think you saw in the playoffs last year, he can be a pest to play against. He, he's as honest player as you'll ever see. He doesn't cheat the game. Um, he, so it's hard on players, and he can make it hard. And so he's just one of those guys that does all those things that, you know, sometimes other players won't do. Uh, he's been really good in a penalty kill for us. And, and so – 
of course we've missed a player like that. But I look where we are in the standings and, you know, we've kept our uh, head above water here. And, you know, whenever Tony comes back, um, you know, we're, he's going to be a welcome addition to us because anytime you can add a depth player, I think 31 teams, other teams in the league, be lining up to add a Tony Sorelli uh, at some point. Uh, last one for me, Coop, and we appreciate your time here. Um, just wanted to get your thoughts on the Toronto Maple Leafs evolution. The um, you, you guys had a few years where you led the league in goals for and then didn't translate to playoff success. Uh, that kind of backed off. You kind of became a more well-rounded team. And the Leafs this year are not scoring goals at the rate they have in the past, but still having success. Do you think in these situations they're uh, intentional decisions or a product of your roster? Is there is this something, uh, you know, coaching to do with the, those changes in style? Uh, probably a little bit of everything. Okay. You know, uh, Sheldon's, uh, uh, he's been there for a while. He's got a good grasp of what his team does. I mean, let's be honest, like that series could have gone either way last year. You know, we were just fortunate for us. We uh, we won the series, but uh, they were right there with us. And and I actually kind of marvel a little bit of what got, has gone on of late because of all the injuries they've had on the back end and at goal. And so the organization has showed some true grit and depth uh, to be able to keep winning at the rate they're winning. Yeah, maybe they're not winning the games, you know, 7-5, but the goal is to win. And winning 2-1 probably bodes a little well and puts you in situations to win 2-1 when it counts in the playoffs. So uh, pretty impressed with the Leafs uh, have done so far. And like I said, hopefully it'll be a fun game tomorrow night. One more for me too, Coop. Uh, you had a, an, a much earlier look at Mitch Marner at the World Championships, and uh, he's coming in with a, a nice little consecutive point streak. <laughs> How do you guys shut that down tomorrow night? Well... Actually, when I saw that, so, you know, you're focused on your own team, so you're really not focused a ton on what's going on in the rest of the league until your teams are coming up to play. And so I had a good chuckle. And, um, I could see, you know, I told Eddie O, I said, well, I see Sittler on that list. But I was like, Eddie, that's impressive. Uh, <laughs> what are you doing there, Eddie? Yeah, like the, the, the list of Toronto Maple Leafs on there, and I was like, wow, Eddie, that's, uh, that's impressive, buddy. So, yeah, we had a good chuckle about that. But, um Good on Mitch. He's a heck of player. I've said it for years, and I'll keep saying it. And so I'm not surprised that uh, he's doing that, and I'd expect at some point we'll be having the same conversation at some point with, uh, you know, it being Austin Matthews. So they've got two couple elite players. Actually, they've got a bunch of elite players, but I wouldn't, I'm not surprised that Mitch is doing that. Well, we're looking forward to tomorrow night's game. We really appreciate your time. We wish you all the best of luck. Okay, boys. Thanks John so much, Cooper, Coop. head coach, yeah. Yeah. Tampa Bay Lightning, and they're they're going now. They, uh, I don't, I think they're they're way too smart to to just blow their brains out during the regular season and mm-hmm. think that they need to catch Boston. And it's if so they funny do, hearing him talk about playoffs. He's like, we just right? got to get into playoffs. We're trying to get into playoffs. It's like we all we're all just like you're Tampa Bay. You're going to be in playoffs. A but- vintage Cooper. The top well, so it's almost like, as if like, we're just. I, I got to be honest. I have a bit of a crush on Cooper. Oh, I think he's the best coach. We we've got eighty-two exhibition games. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> you know, right? we're, we're, yeah. We're just practicing for when the and, season and starts. Even if the Leafs go in there and blow them out, or even if it's the other way around, he won't and care. Tampa, <laughs> no, but Tampa finds a way to beat the Leafs six-two. Yeah. He's the type of guy that says. 
Don't read anything into a They're December. They're missing their top three D. A December, even if there was full lineups. Yeah, you're right. He's still the guy that said that would go. Oh my God, who cares? You're excited about, about that December yeah, first game. Yeah, uh, but what an unbelievable answer to the Sergachev Hedman thing, where he's like, you know, Hedman has one goal, ten ass- or I think ten total points after having 85 points last year, and uh, he goes, Hedy's our guy. Hedy's going to have the puck in his stick when it matters the most. You know, Sergachev's running out there on power play one and having great success, and he's like, I know where my bread is butter, boys. You know what I'm starting to really watch is that that little bump pass from, or that fake, and then bump pass to Brady Point in the slot. From the top? Yes. From Hedman there? Yes. Oh, they're so good with that. I mean, Kucherov's nasty off the starting flank. To the best really, player in the league. Starting to really warm up for them. Yeah. No, and points back. He battled. We watched him in the first round last year. Had some major, major injuries, but he's starting to feel it right now. I mentioned Robertson has that sweet spot beside Tavares and Marner. Yeah. How about Hagel's spot beside Kucherov and Point? Yeah. It's not a bad spot. <laughs> yeah. Um, I hate how much I love that guy. I know. Breaks my heart. <laughs> Shouldn't like him that much. And hey, quickly to go back to our uh, goalies for Team Canada. We forgot the Logan obvious Thompson. starter. No, Matt Murray. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> we'll see if he's still in Buddy. one piece on, in 2025. Buddy. It's as good as anybody in 100%. November. There you go. Hey. November Cup winner. Going. He's going. When he's going, he's going. <laughs> he's going. He's going. Right, so it's we're going to be Logan Thompson, Darcy Kemper, and Matt Murray. We're, we're going to break. Ooh. When okay. we're going, we're going to break. <laughs> yeah. Up next, nice. following John Cooper, our Doug McLean. It's Friday. I bet you he's just in a. What kind of mood would you think he'd be in today? I don't know. I fear Doug in general. So <laughs> <laughs> whatever it is, I'm afraid. Well, we're gonna find out after the break. Doug McLean, stick around, everybody. Real Kipper and Born. This is Real Kipper and Born on Sportsnet 590, The Fan. the part of the show where it really falls off we bring in doug mcclain now mac we just had john cooper on one of the greatest coaches in the history of the game according to sammy history of the world history of the world <laughs> so I, we according brought up to Coop. according to coop <laughs> uh sorelli's coming off injury i try to kind of smoke him out a little bit on whether he'll play tomorrow night and he says no no it's up to the doctors uh, you know i don't i don't do that i don't go there i don't touch that and i i get it like you know even your era as coach and general manager but you can't tell me for one second once it got really close from a day to day or an hour to hour that you didn't make the call you didn't tell somebody uh yeah you're in um I would never do that. But I remember uh, training our second year, our second train, uh, the training camp after we drafted Nash, and he had such a great rookie season. And the next year, maybe the year after, I don't know what it was, but I first day of training camp, he has a high ankle sprain, and I went down to the dressing room and Nasher, you know what, how painful a high ankle sprain is. You two guys, you two ex jocks would know that. Of course. Um, and Nasher puked. He was in so much pain. And then I puked because Nasher was in so much pain. <laughs> <laughs> so 
you know, you never, you never push a guy, but I used to ask the trainer a lot, when's he going to be ready? But I'd never ask the player. I just, you know, you just can't do that. But and, you, uh, you know what? Most NHLers, they want to play so bad. Most of them want to play so bad. And today, even more so because, because of the money involved, you know? They don't want to lose their jobs. But that's your superstar. There must have been a few players over your career you said, like, what is wrong with that guy? Get in there. Well, when guys would flunk the concussion protocol test, I would say, I'm not sure you'd pass it even if he didn't have one, <laughs> you know? <laughs> no. You never, you never, you never got involved with injuries, ever. As a, you know, I mean... We'd talk as a staff and we'd talk, you know, to the trainers, but you would never pressure a player to play. Never. And I, I had some guys have to, I remember poor Steve Hines, you know, had bad concussion problems with us in Columbus and had to retire. And, you know, we had traded them and then the concussion problems came back. And I mean, poor Steve, I mean, it was tough on him at the end of when he retired. So you never, and you know that Kipper from, from your concussion history, you just, you can just never, question a player about an injury and i never would never would don't you think there's some conflict there with like if you're on the medical staff your entire job is to get people back healthy but not have them come back too soon that's how you get fired it's just having them come back too soon and they get re-injured so the incentive for the medical staff is to keep guys out as long as possible yes and keep getting two free season tickets <laughs> I mean, keep you stay employed and not bring <laughs> and get, someone back too soon. And get your free tickets. So, is there not frustration if, as a coach to be like, "Hey, could he come back though?" You know what? The, the trainers have an unbelievably challenging job because they're caught and they're caught. You know where I had the problem? The trainers and the doctors used to be into it more than anybody because the trainers would be. You know, the doctor would be stalling versus the trainer stalling in lots of cases, you know, Mm -hmm. and the the trainer would be frustrated with the team medical staff. But I never, you know, I I, I don't recall in, in even in, you know, in my 20 plus years in the league, trainers and coaches and management being an issue. They were always there was always a great relationship because I knew. I knew how hard they worked and how honest they were and how they had the player. They had the player's uh, health as a real priority and they should leave. So I never really had an issue. I never really did. Mac leaves uh, uh, going into Tampa Bay on a, on a real nice run here. It looks like Tampa Bay's playing a a lot better, a little bit more consistency. Uh, Is there a chance that, uh, you know, you, you, overanalyze a game like this in early December, or is this uh, truly a good measuring stick for you uh, watching the Leafs? No, I think it is. And I, you know, I was thinking the other night watching them, you know, the way they played. And I, I think back to when Morgan Riley get hurt and muzzing out and the, and the injuries they've had on the back end with Bannon's on, you think, you know, is this a blessing for this group that finally Keith can get it, Keith can get it through them that, you got to play a total team game. You got to play, you know, all three zones, and you got to play battle defensively. I know the goaltenders have been good and have made good saves, and as you said, not let in bad goals. But I think they they're playing a much better all round game. 
than they've played all year and for a couple of years. So maybe it's a blessing in disguise that with losing Morgan Riley and a couple of guys, they really said, hey, we, we've got we've got to play type of hockey that's played at playoff time right now. And they've done a good job. Mac, I was fascinated, you know, by the idea of having veteran players who can lead. They've been there before and how much a coach is able to lean on these guys. And I mentioned that because the Leafs have some guys who've been through six playoff series without success. We just talked to John Cooper, who said sometimes he still has to come in and put his foot down. How do you walk that line as a coach between putting your foot down with people who are men who've been through it and probably don't feel like they need to hear it? You know what? It's it's really funny. I mean, I you know what? I, I remember calling Bernie Federico into my office when I was an assistant coach and going over some things, and and he started to cry, and I'm thinking, Jeez. oh my god, I just made I just made Bernie Federico cry. <laughs> <laughs> so I always used to. I mean, I used to. I'm thinking Bernie, like I didn't make him cry. He was just. It was. It was a frustration cry. You know what I mean? He was just so frustrated by what I was showing him on the video that he just, he was an emotional guy, you know? And I remember when I'd, I'd give guys hell in the, you know, in the, in my office, you know, whether I was a coach or GM and I used to be worried it's because guys get emotional. And I mean, I've had a lot of guys cry in my office and it, it made me feel terrible, you know. I felt like I was back teaching high school, you know. So you you have to, but you know what? It, it's the way it is. You just, and one thing about the, the greatest thing about a coach that I love is a guy that's a straight shooter and an honest guy. And I know lots of them in the league that are, that can tell a guy the way it is and it's not BS. And I admire coaches that do that. And Sometimes those are hard conversations, but, and Kippy knows this from being a, a player and you know it from being around the game your whole life. It, that's what players want. And Coop, when he says that, that's what he's being is he's being honest with them, whether they're a veteran or they're a kid. And I love that about certain coaches. Did you read my uh, Mitch Marner article in the Toronto Star this week? Oh, Oh my God! Like seriously, is he your is he is he your nephew or what? Oh my God! Not, not you too. What? Not you too. Related? These guys have been like, killing I, me all I, week. Why you? I know why you did it, and nobody else knows this, but I know why you did it Uh-oh. because you're such you're such a Leafs fan. You're trying to prop him up that maybe he'll score in the playoffs this year. Oh <laughs> my God! <laughs> You too. <laughs> I love, you know what? Hey. Mitch Marner. I, I mean, I have really enjoyed watching him play. And I, I'll tell you what, I was watching the game the other night when he had like three chances to get the, uh, the extra point, you know, for the record. And I, I, I mean, I love the unselfishness of him. I love the hockey sense, the pure talent, the love of the game. I, I and I'd love to see this kid have success at playoff time. And I know I know what you're trying to do, kissing up to him. I get it. Just I, I'm just for the underdog, the little engine that could. Yeah. He's making eleven million, isn't he? Or just not? <laughs> the little engine makes a lot of money. It's yes. a nice train. <laughs> <laughs> All right, Mac. Yeah, I would love I would love you to write an article. 
playoffs about them. Right, right. That's what I would like it right. All bets are off. You know? Game one. That's for <laughs> yeah. sure. Oh my God! Seriously. So we're we're yeah. through we're through American Thanksgiving. Are you a big believer that uh, we've we, we know who's going to be in the playoffs now? Well, I've got I've got the top six in. Uh, I just look. I just follow the East. I don't pay any attention to the West anymore. It's like it's such a. It's, yeah, you it's go to bed compare. at ten o'clock. You even, understand? No, yeah, yeah, I know, and it's not even comparable for me. So I I love what I mean. I love Edmonton and watching those, you know, them Calgary. But I really focus on the East, and I and I'm sitting there looking like the top six, the top three in each division. I think the Islanders are getting in. I think Jersey's getting in. So there's a couple of teams not getting in from last year. So I'm looking and I'm thinking, okay, just a minute. It's, it's going to be Pittsburgh Rangers, Pittsburgh, I think get in. And I'm saying Rangers, Florida, Washington, one of those three may be lucky to get in one of those three. Caps and that trouble. keeps, I got, I got Detroit out and caps when they get Wilson back Backstrom. I mean, are they going to be able to get it going? I, I'm a little worried about them. I thought they'd be better, but I know they got tough injuries. So I think, I mean, Florida Rangers, Washington, Pittsburgh, Pittsburgh, I think get in because of Sid um, and if they can stay healthy. So I think it's going to be a dogfight. And I, I, I mean, the Rangers, like tonight, how big is tonight's game, Ottawa Rangers, for both those teams? Ottawa have got to win to, to stay in the mix or to try to get back into it. And the Rangers have just not been very good a lot of nights. I didn't even like their game in Ottawa the other night, to be quite honest. So I, I need them to win because, you know, I like Gerard. You know, it seems like Pierre, sure. in Ottawa, Mac. It seems like Pierre Dorian's been looking for uh, a defenseman for like a gazillion years. Like, are you telling me oh, now he, over thirty-one he teams? He didn't have time. He can't find he didn't have time one to look for. <laughs> he did. He found Hamannick. He found Clint, hey, uh, Clint Myers. Don't do that, whatever you do. I'm mad, I'm mad at him. But anyway, listen, um, pounding his chest so hard for DeBrinket and all those guys this summer, he didn't have time to look for a defenseman. He needs a right-hand defenseman so bad it's scary, okay, just, and he needs a top-four guy. Uh, JB's looking at me. Like, <laughs> I want more on this. Yeah, we want more. Like, what, what's the Philip Myers on waivers? Uh well, look, Philip. Philip, I I, I like Philip a lot, and um, you know, I yeah, I watch him. We know he that. goes he goes to Nashville and was disinterested in the way he played. He goes to Tampa now. He's on waivers, and um, why and why why they ever signed him to a two year deal of a million four? I'll never be able to figure out. Um, so that's a that's a tough one. I know Ottawa were interested in him this summer. Um, uh, I don't see him as a fit there in the top four. I just don't. I mean, to me, he's a number six guy at best now. Uh, for some reason, he's lost interest in the game, and he better figure it out or he's going to be in the minors. So I don't see him as a fit. But, I mean, Columbus, how do they – you know, you, you're talking about Gabrikov there. What happens with this guy? I mean, they've lost a couple – Beans out for the year. Warinsky's out for the year. Uh, I don't see them trading. They don't trade Gabrikov unless it's at the deadline, and they'll want a minimum first-round pick for this guy. Minimum. Couple of five. Before I let you go, a couple of five million dollar goalies struggling. Cal Peterson put on waivers, not claimed. We we watched another tough night for uh, Jack Campbell, another five million dollar guy. Like, 
What do you do, Mac? If if you're if you're Edmonton, do you dare think about a conditioning stint for him? We mentioned Cal Peterson going down to Ontario, uh, LA's farm team. We saw Matt Murray. Let's not forget. Matt Murray's as good as any goalie in the league right now in the month of November. That guy was in the American Hockey League last year. Right. I, look, it's the Jack Campbell thing is frightening because he's been hot and cold for a, a few years, for most of his career, hot and cold. Um, so what, what do you do with Jack Campbell? You let Skinner play and let Campbell watch and let the goalie coach work with him and try to figure it out. I don't see sending him to the minors as an option. It's uh it's Skinner's job right now to lose as far as I'm concerned. And, you know, I look at Kenny's team there, and I, I'm worried about them. I look at their bottom six. I mean, they played in Chicago the other night. They had 40 shots on goal, and I think their bottom six had one shot on goal in that entire game. I mean, seriously, you, you they, they've got more problems than Jack Campbell, and that's like, I mean, you said it to me, Kippy, if Dreisaitl and, and McDavid don't get two or three points each, they don't win, you know? So... They've got to figure it out. And Spec, I mean, I feel terrible for Mark Spector because he's dying. <laughs> I mean, he's he's dying. He gets he gets so mad at them uh, before he writes his article when they lose that it's just hilarious to read. So anyway, <laughs> hey, I don't do me a favor if you're ever telling that I made Bernie Federico cry story. Try not to laugh after you say it. It really <laughs> makes you. Would- um, Bernie would not hate a and he, I didn't make him cry. I didn't make him cry. He just, but I, I don't know why. I like I must be miserable or something. <laughs> I guys used to break down. I mean, I don't know what it was. It really is weird, you know. It is funny how weird. often in a pro locker room someone comes out of the coach's office like they just got yelled at by mom or dad with the, you know head down mopes and maybe a little moist eyes. I don't know. I I like. Other than pissing Listen, off your I'll parent, never, I can't imagine anybody never, worse than uh, your head forget, coach. I'll never, yeah. forget, I'll never forget the day I, I decided to quit teaching high school. I was in the I was in this staff room, and we I was coaching the junior A team in Summerside. We lost the night before, 4-3 in a tough loss. And I was sitting at the table, and this teacher come up. And you know how they used to put their knuckles out and punch you in the shoulder, you know, with a stinger? <laughs> <laughs> and the, this, so I'm sitting there mad because we lost the night before, and uh, this guy came up and punched me in the shoulder, and I flew out of my chair and I pinned him up against the wall, and I had my fist cocked to punch him out in the staff room. <laughs> and the women, the women and the, the girl, lady teachers were screaming, and I thought, so I thought, oh my god! So I went, I went into the principal's office that afternoon. I said, you know, Jim, I said, I think I'm gonna take a leave of absence and go back to university (laughs) and get my master's. (laughs) And that was the last day I ever taught. So anyway. (laughs) Some guy came in and punched you in the arm like, that's it. Do do you remember the guy? Do you remember what he taught? Oh, no. Jim Hodge, he he was an English teacher and he had a heart condition. I mean, what am I thinking about, you know? Like, seriously. Anyway, he's a great guy. I felt terrible. Mac punched him in the pacemaker and got kicked out. I didn't punch him. I didn't punch him. I just had the fist stuff to him, and I thought, oh, my God, I got to get out of here. I got to either I got to get in hockey or get out of hockey or get out of teaching, one or the other. So, anyway, it's fun. Uh, It's official. It's off the rails. We're off the rails. All right. (laughs) What's up this weekend? Thanks. 
you know, I'm gonna, I, I haven't, I've had a rotator cuff, so I haven't been able to do a lot of yoga and the pickleball. I've, I haven't played a lot, but I've, I've been doing just more walking, trying to trying to get back, you know, get my conditioning ready. So you know, I'll if you're if you're too pickleball, hurt for pickleball and yoga, the next step is Aquafit, and then it's over, Doug. <laughs> <laughs> Do you like getting in the water? Hey, I swim a lot. Anyway, guys, thanks a million. For oh no, no, really thank you, it. thank you. Checks in the mail. Thanks, Doug. All right. <laughs> Take care, guys. He's like a sl- sleeper lunatic, I think. I don't know. I'd be pretty scared if I was that other teacher that decided I was in the mood to punch Doug McLean in the arm. Have you looked at the standings long enough to be as confident as Mac and Jersey and the Islanders and your Islanders? Uh, I have looked at the standings. Um, Jersey, yes. Islanders, yeah. Um, Washington, though, they're a 480 winning percentage. They got 10 wins in 25 matches. They're not good. Wow. I know they've been hurt, but they're really, really struggling. Wow. Just the, losing the presence of Tom Wilson all season long. Yeah. What's that? Give them another four points? Like, know. they're still. Changes their hurt. team. What's that? Changes their team. Changes the way they play. Yeah. Changes the way others play against you. 100%. Um, that was hilarious. <laughs> like, Have that you ever had an innocuous moment make you fly off the handle? Oh, uh, yeah. I don't. I don't have that kind of temper. I don't. But yeah, I, I do. You do. Yeah, but I say you do. Like I don't know. No. I. Uh, I think I can hold it together from zero till about six and a half, seven. Yeah. But once I hit seven, like I'll go to ten, like in. Oh really? A split second. Yeah. Theo, get up off the floor. Stop <laughs> playing with the dog and go to school. <laughs> So what's that? That one was about a six and five a and a half, <laughs> six. Theo was like, Theo was tempting me though. I think I can make it to nine and keep my voice about the same, and then it's over. Like then you know, then it's from an off switch to on. I just don't do it to beer league officials. That's the only time I don't use the temper. You you are lenient. Yeah, I try my best. Feel bad for those guys. They take a beating every Sunday Monday night. I will say, I scream. I, most yeah. of them do. And they what are they, you know, beating. they probably get, what, 40 bucks to do the game or something? Like, imagine are, they, are they young? Are they, like, mid-40 guys, probably, older guys? It's a it's a pretty big mix. But I would say, like, the cap is around 50, and it would start around 30. There's not any, like, really like young guys. What young kid today says, I want to go and referee a men's league hockey game tonight. And just I, you know, with, like, you got to do a job. Like, at least like, you're Thank God the we ice. have them. Yeah. If you're out there, hey, we, we, love we, we, we love you. We tip our hats off. And uh, thanks, thanks for doing it. But. You know, like, there's no more full-service gas I'm, stations to pump. You know, what do you do for... Sammy, are you one to scream at a referee no. during a game at no. all? What, like, maybe once a month I'll give them a little bit of something. But I try my best not to. I'll uh, yell at the other teams. Yeah, I'm, I'm not a ref yeller make, at uh, all. You could shake your head. You can make yeah. a sarcastic Take remark. A but to, like... Yeah. Belittle a guy oh, or yeah. start hammering on a guy. I got ref friends from my playing days that I so, stay in touch with. So, yeah, it's just... The frustrating thing is that they don't care. You know, they're not getting paid. Well. They, they don't give a crap. <laughs> <The> purely guys, <laughs> they just don't yeah, care. Little like, sleep over that the, one. Yeah, they're but like you, they're human too. They can watch a guy out there and go, "Listen, yeah, a little too much attitude out of oh, you." Oh, uh, right. Oh, right. Your beer league, like what? This is reviewed by Toronto. Hey, buddy, you're, you're not sitting down. That good. Yeah, hey, number sixty-nine, you got your fourth <laughs> penalty of the game. But it's funny Weird. though. Like I now, I've been playing for almost ten years in Toronto in terms of in all the different leagues and whatever, and I, like you know. 
Like I've, I've see a lot of the same guys. Yeah. Like you know what's what makes them tick, and you know when to lean on them, when not to. It's it's very similar relationship that guys have with the ones in the NHL. You know how to lean on them, how to, not how to, and whatever. Yeah, it's fun. Okay, well, uh, great we'll, community of refs in Toronto. Love it. Love that they still do that. We'll uh, we'll take a break now. We got Dave Nonis, former general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs. We'll get his thoughts on the current team, including what's going on in Vancouver, uh, the relationship he had. Uh, over the years with Luongo as well. I want to get into that with him. And then uh, then are we going to take some questions from uh, social media? Or yeah, text us. Text us at 1-800-590-590. No. I don't know. What is it? 590-590. Yeah, so after we have known us on, we got a couple. We got to do a little Jack Campbell talk more, continued. Um, and then we're going to do some texts. So text us, 590-590. Uh, you can comment on YouTube. Make sure you... Uh, make sure you Mention me so that I'll see them, and uh, we'll do some comments and texts. Sounds good. Still plenty and more on the Real Kipper and Born show. Also, rate and review on uh, all the platforms because that helps us stay employed. So, Does it really? Uh, I assume. What happens if they say we suck? That <laughs> helps us. <laughs> no, I, if they rate five stars and say you suck, we're fine. Really? <laughs> oh yeah. All we right. Just, we just Let need the rip. stars. Let her rip, everybody. <laughs> we're back after these words. Real Kipper and Board on Sportsnet 590 The Fan. All right, we're waiting on Dave Nonas, former general manager of the Leafs. I think he was uh, with Anaheim for the last little while, but uh, mm-hmm. I don't think he's part of their uh, organization anymore. Nope. We'll get him on. Was there I got to tell you something. Yeah. Oh, yeah, okay. I've known Doug McLean a long time. Mm-hmm. I don't know where he goes with his stories. I don't know if it's supposed to end up being funny or it's going to be like, you know, there's a message at the end. There's a mm-hmm. moral to the story. It's like that. You ever watch Planes, Trains, and Automobiles yeah, yeah. when Steve Martin looks at uh, John Candy? He's like, what do your stories have none of that. <laughs> that's the kind of uh, the, it's the way I feel when uh, talking I don't to Doug McClain. I feel like Doug feels obligated to impress you with anything. It's just, <laughs> here's my story, take it or leave it. That is 100% true. All right, let's welcome in Dave Nonis. Uh, Dave, how are you? Uh, we know you, you spent the last little while in Anaheim's organization. Uh, if I stand corrected, uh, uh, you're a free agent, a UFA right now? I am. I am. I'm. Uh, I'm turning to the dark side right now a little bit, doing some media. So, <laughs> welcome aboard, my friend. Um, uh, where are you now? What are you? Where are you making home? And uh, what are your thoughts on the next little while here? Yeah, I live. Uh, I live, live in New Hampshire, just about an hour north of Boston. So I'm. I'm in a pretty good spot for seeing college games, you know, getting to Boston for the Bruins. Uh, it's, it's, it's been home here for a little while, and uh, my, my wife's from this area, so it's worked out well. Dave, we uh, are a Toronto Maple Leaf show. Uh, obviously, you spent some time here, and uh, you, know, the, uh, you know the market very well. It's, uh, it hasn't been, I guess the, I don't want to say it hasn't been successful here, but they haven't got out of the first round over the past couple of years. What, what are your thoughts on the evolution of this Leafs team over the past five, six years of this core? Well, they, you know, they took a different direction, obviously, with, with how they kind of put the team together. Um, and I still think that the window is open for them. It's not like they're never going to get out of the first round. You know, but when you put all, all your money in, not all, but a lot of it into four or five players, it, it, uh, it makes things difficult. With that said, those players have all pr- pretty much performed. And 
uh, you know, there's a lot of there's a lot of naysayers early on this year that it just isn't going to work. And um, you know, that Western swing that they started on wasn't the best for them, uh, but they stuck together. And it seems like a very resilient group. Um, you know, can you win with with a structure like that? It still remains to be seen. But I think that they have a very good hockey club, and uh, I think that uh, if the goaltending can hold up, which has been very good. Uh, it looks like Kyle's pushed the right buttons there for two guys that have starting numbers right now. Um, and if that defense can, you know, can hold up as well and get healthy, I think that there's a good chance that we do get out of the first round. Dave, uh, looking back at uh, the various teams that you've been involved with, uh, the, the whole process between training camp, uh, American Thanksgiving, trade deadline, and and how much – how much do you think that you know your team and what it needs and how can it alter at times during the regular season? Because the Leafs have had a great November and uh, perhaps the feeling of going into January and February might be a little different than, uh, than what you thought of earlier. And, of course, this is leading to the temptation of bettering your team at the trade deadline and then factoring the assets you have to do it. But uh, how did that work for you over the years? Well, I started Kipper when you were playing, so things are a lot different now than they were back then. <laughs> yes, that's true. And you probably remember, you know, you started training camp and you kind of saw what you had. And then, you know, after 10 or 15 games, and I've said this to a few people, I remember Pat Quinn my first year in Vancouver, you know, he said, let's give it 10 games and see how we are, and then we'll, if we have to make changes, we can that's not possible anymore. I mean, it's really hard to change your team. You can you can shuffle the deck a little bit, but in terms of really improving and making trades, it's very difficult because of the cap system. Um, so for you know for Toronto, uh, do I see them trying to better their team? If they're playing at a 700 clip and they can make their team better by spending some assets, I think they'll do it. Um, but it's it's very difficult to make changes between thanksgiving and the deadline unless you're a team that didn't expect to be good and all of a sudden you had some cap space available but you know teams that were thinking that they're that they were going to be contenders almost all of them if you look at it, at the, the the payrolls those teams they're they're operating with fumes you're, you're either an lti or you're you're at you know a million bucks or less so uh, making those trades are more difficult than they've ever been um but i i think that the teams that are at the top uh, will continue to do it. I think Boston, they've done it the last couple of years. I think they will do it. You know, I, I think that the teams that have a chance, um, to really think they have a chance, and their their window is either starting to close or it's, you know, on its way, I think those teams will try to get better at the deadline if they can. Speaking of trades, we were talking before you came on earlier in the show about uh, a guy you traded for and Roberto Luongo. Guys in the news lately, Hockey Hall of Fame, not too shabby, had a lot of success in Vancouver. We were debating here, were you in Toronto at the time when it was rumored that he was trying to come here and were, were you a part of that? Yes, I was. Yeah. Yeah. And, and what yep, was the, cool. uh, the the process like back in that day trying to make that happen or the complications? It, you were close, were you not? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I had a lot of time for Roberto. I, when I traded for him at Vancouver, he, I wouldn't say he single-handedly changed the, the direction of our team, but he was a, a really big part of it. And I saw what he could do to a franchise. Uh, I think the first year that I had him in Vancouver, he strung together 47 wins. You know, it's, it's a hell of a season in this day and age. So I had a lot of time for him. I would have liked to have added him. 
Um, you know, the asking price was not really terrible, but it was too high given his contract. And that contract, I mean, if you remember Roberto at uh, that trade deadline day was over, his only thing he said is my contract sucks. Because mm-hmm. it wasn't just us that didn't that didn't you know trade for him. It was every team in the league, and that's a very good goalie to pass up on. But that contract was structured very poorly. It had uh, penalties associated with it. If we would have taken him on, um, you know, the Leafs the last three years would have had cap hits because of the way his contract was structured. So he was close to coming. Um, you know, looking back now, do I think um, he would have made the difference for us? I think definitely that year, you know, that was the year we lost to Boston. Uh, I think he would have been a difference maker there, but long-term it it wouldn't have been good for the franchise. As good of a player is and good of a person as he is. Okay. Let me remind you, you're on the dark side. Now we want details of the trade. (laughs) Well, in terms of what what they were asking for. Yes, exactly. You know what? I, I, I can't remember the exact pick, but it was a, it was a pretty high pick. Uh, and uh, Ben Scrivens, and I think there may have been a third pick in there, a third asset. But So it, it wasn't like, uh, uh, you know, that we had to give up three or four first-round picks, uh, but it was the penalty going forward. And, again, it's not it's not just us that turned uh, our back on that deal. It was every team in the league because it was just a, a difficult contract to swallow. So, you, you know, Berkey as well, but you guys got uh, a sample of uh... – Canadian major markets, Vancouver, Toronto. Uh, what's the biggest difference when you look back on it? Or or is it just the same pressure is pressure? Between a, a U.S. market and a yes. Canadian market? You know, between Vancouver and, say, Toronto, the markets, the, the demands, the pressures, are they a lot more similar than people think? Or is there a different feel out in Vancouver than there would be in Toronto when it came to expectations or pressure out of the fan base? I think they're pretty similar in terms of expectations and, you know, an interest. Both have very strong fan bases, but I, I think you have to put Toronto at the top in terms of, of not just interest, but scrutiny. I mean, you guys see it all the time. Um, it's, uh, you, you really can't escape it. Um, and part of that is difficult. They, you know, I, people say they don't listen. It's hard not to listen. Like I, you know, I've, I've told people a story before. I, I used to walk home pretty much the same, same way every day. And, um, there was a generally often a homeless man that was that was uh, on my route. You know, one day he, he said, "Can I ask you a question?" And I said, "Sure." And he goes, uh, "Can I give you some suggestions on trades that'll help your power play?" <laughs> and, <laughs> so, so, you know, when you've got people that you know that are uh, you know unfortunate in terms of their living situation, but they're interested in the the hockey team in town, that just tells you the kind of interest that's in Toronto. And, you know, when things aren't going great, it's a, it can be a strain, but it is the best place to work in the, in this game when the team is winning. Well, so there's intense scrutiny and you're here from, I think it was 2009 to 2015, somewhere in that realm. Is there anything in that time that the media, all that scrutiny got wrong in assumptions about deals you made or, you know, things that went on with the team? Is there anything that needs a (laughs) clarification? I'd have to go back in my notes. (laughs) I'm sure there's probably some, but, um, you know, I, again, I I never really had a problem with the the media yeah. by and large. You know, I, I think um, the the media in Toronto is generally fair. There's a few people that I'd say that didn't work hard enough and that you know, weren't as informed as they could have been. Mm-hmm. 
but I think you can say it about every market. And, you know, when you have uh, the number of people that are, that are interested and the, the number of media that are there in terms of, of uh, sheer attendance at every event, um, I think that Toronto's media is, is very good. Um, you know, and there's going to be times they're going to be negative and they're going to, there's going to be scrutiny. It's part, that's part of, of their job. Um, but I never really had a problem with them. Um, you know, but I, I will say again, the, the, the sheer volume of it is staggering when you come from or see what it's like in a U.S. market. You know, I spent the last seven years in Anaheim, you know, and you might have two or three people at the morning skate or, uh, you know, at a, at a practice in a critical time of the season. And I remember, you know, in Toronto, where there'd be 25 or 30 following a practice. So it, it is a lot different. Um, but again, that's a, that's the, the best part about playing in Canada is the, is the interest from not just the fans, but from the media. We're talking to former general manager of the Toronto Maple Leafs, Dave Nonis. Uh, Dave, were you the type of guy that watched, uh, American Thanksgiving, like most teams are these days, and and buy into uh, what you see is what you get uh, come springtime. Uh, and if that's the case here, uh, you know, what are your thoughts around the league right now? Well, I think I think the the numbers in the last ten years is somewhere around seventy five, seventy six percent of the teams that are you know that are in the playoffs at American Thanksgiving uh, end up making it. You know, that sounds like a death knell for the other 25, but it also means that there's 25% that are out that, that do turn it around. Uh, you know, I think that good teams generally uh, will have a fairly good record, maybe not be hitting on all cylinders, but if you're if it's a quality team, you're going to be within striking distance at American Thanksgiving. Um, so I, I think it's a little bit uh, more is made of that than, than you, you should be. Um, but obviously, as the games start to peel off, it's hard to make up, you know, eight, ten points when you get even within thirty games. It's a, that's a lot of games, uh, a lot of points to make up with, with thirty games left. So, um, I think it's I think it's an interesting time to look at your club. But um, you know, it, there's two two things you have to remember. As I said earlier, even if you wanted to make a huge deal at American Thanksgiving, it's just not available. And it's not available because of the cap and, and for the most part. Um, and so teams are going to usually wait and have their, their cap space, whatever that might be, have it grow to the deadline and then, then try to make a move. But, um, you know, some teams that we thought were going to be really good have struggled. Uh, you know, you, you can look at both divisions, uh, sorry, both conferences, and you've seen, you know, that Calgary hasn't played as well as we thought and St. Louis hasn't played as well as we thought. Um, but then you've got teams that have been excellent. You know, Seattle has been a great surprise, and uh, you know they, they're playing solid hockey, one of the best road records on, in the league. And in the East, you've got New Jersey. No one expected them to be, a, you know, not just at the top of their division, but I think they're plus 34, 35 in terms of goal differential. They're playing outstanding. So um, someone has to pay the price when you have a team that's unexpected that moves their way up the up the standings. You know, just listening to you mention, you know, percentages there, I was thinking that you, you'd you be the perfect guy to ask about the evolution of the use of numbers for front offices. Yeah, how much of a change has there been in front offices considering, I guess, advanced stats on the type of players you inquire, the decisions you make? Oh, it, it's definitely, you know, it moved along since, uh, you know, since I was in Toronto in particular. We, we um, brought Kyle in and, you know, he right away brought, 
with him a, a great knowledge of you know of analytics and advanced stats. Uh, I used it um, quite a bit. There's a lot of questions that I would ask them or him to to produce uh, some some background for me. Uh, I think it's a useful tool for coaches as well. I'm trying to get you know pairings in the back end that might work better or line combinations. Uh, I think it does show you how your team is playing. I think it, it, you know you can relate some of the some of the analytic uh, metrics to old-fashioned scoring chances. I mean, they, they a lot of them go hand in hand, forward against. Um, but it, you know, in terms of making deals, yes, it's a part of it now. I think it's a a, a, a real part. It's a legitimate tool to use, um, and I think teams that are working at it the hardest will get the most out of it. But at the same time, I, I think it has to be uh, married with old-fashioned um, you know, analysis by quality scouts and quality managers. One more for me, Dave, and it uh, lends towards your experience with uh, prospects. And the Leafs have one in Nick Robertson. Uh, the feeling was that he was ready to make a, a, a big step uh, this season. It temporarily happened, and then it took a couple of steps back. But my question to you and again, um, this is just uh, me and my observation that maybe that uh, perhaps maybe Kyle or or Brendan Shanahan uh, think a lot higher of of uh, maybe a Nick Robertson than his head coach does. And have you ever gone through you know Vancouver, Toronto, anywhere you've been, and and had that where you've had a prospect and you see something in him that maybe the coach doesn't or it doesn't have as much isn't as patient for him to develop as, as you would like. And does that set up a little bit of a conflict? It, it can. Um, and, you know, that does happen. I don't think it happens a, a lot, um, but it definitely can happen. And the more veteran a coach, the more, you know, he's going to have feelings about the type of players that he wants. And you know, if they've had success in the past with a certain lineup or certain type of lineup, you know, that might be the case uh, where they don't want to play a younger player or give them the opportunity that maybe uh, he deserves or the, the organization thinks he deserves. And I have had it in the past, and it, it can come to the point where you end up trading a player that's in the lineup uh, just to make room. That doesn't always sit well with the coach, but, you know, if you're not going to play the guys that we need to play, um, then we're going to make some room by, you know, by some player movement. And, I think that happens quite a few times during the season that no one really talks about or, or knows, but where the manager would, you know, would, would make a move to create a hole that has to be filled with a, a younger player. Dave, Dave I, I need a name. I need a ah. name. Give me, give me a name here. <laughs> hey, next week. <laughs> <laughs> hey, great tease, man. You're picking up on this media stuff just like that. <laughs> hey, Dave, thanks for doing this. Appreciate your time. Yeah, I, hey, yeah, thanks for having me, guys. Hey, Take care. And I'm coming at you next week. You know that, right? <laughs> We're coming for that name. Oh, yeah. Thanks, I'm, Dave. I'm, I'm, I'm going to start going through my notebook this week. <laughs> Good. <laughs> Dave Notice, former general manager of Toronto Maple Leafs. That was fun. Yeah. No, and that, it's like Moneyball, right? Isn't that the idea of Moneyball, where they basically in the, the Oakland A's, they weren't, yes. weren't playing the guy, the manager, or the front office wanted. So they said, all right, well, now you got no one but the guys I want you to play. Make the moves. Does that baseball money guy ever win a World Series? 
No, nah, they got pretty deep with the no, they lost, lineup. They lost the teams with the good players. <laughs> <laughs> they did pretty well that one time. But it bought them some time. Yeah, and then the New York really? Yankees with superstars rolled through and beat the brakes off them. Yeah. Um, uh, pretty good debut for Nonis. I like that. That was good. That That is juicy stuff to me about Luongo and the, how close it was. That is just Okay, so catnip. what he told us is that... Uh, if, in fact, he got Luongo, I would have been on my way to New York City for game one 100%. against the Leafs. Against the Rangers. Instead, I go to Saskatoon for the Memorial Cup. And can I tell you? <laughs> Nothing wrong with the Stoon. You're probably right. You know, you look back at that game seven. You look yeah. back at some of those goals that went in to, to make it 4-4. Hang on to a rebound for us here or there. Now, yeah. all of a sudden, you're a bigger Luongo fan than no. you thought. Listen, God love Luongo. God love James Reimer. I think Roberto Luongo probably a better goalie than James Reimer. I think we can all... I think James might say the same. I think we can agree on that one here. But having watched some highlights of Roberto Luongo in big games for the Canucks over the past couple of days, maybe it wouldn't have been the same. Who knows? So is that the reason why he didn't get his uh, jersey retired? And we well, know that here we there's... Are. Yeah, well, I mean, yeah. he said that we are going to yeah, talk here about... We are. Uh, We've arrived. Luongo this week uh, being... Uh, Honored uh, with the... Ring of Honor. What did I call it? The, the Ring of Circles. The Ring of... <laughs> I'm not wrong. Ring, rings are no. circles. You're not right. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, just off the top of my head, I'm thinking about retired jerseys in Vancouver, Linden, uh, Naslin. Stan Smeal? The Twins, Stan Smeal. And uh, maybe I'm missing one more, but did you did you say Linden? You said yeah. I did. Say, yeah. I said yeah. Trevor Linden yeah. would not. Aslan, did you say that too? I said yeah. All right. I, we should listen to our yeah. host buddy uh, here. and the twins. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So Luongo should be there. So are the Sedins already up there? I think so. Yeah, they are. They're up there, and they walked out their Hall of Fame buddy, and they're like, "You're a tier below, though. You don't get to be there. You're listen. there." And hey. Okay, go ahead and make your point because you're still one of us has to make it. I think he is a ring of honor, not a jersey retirement guy. They might have got it right. I think they got it right. I really do. Like, you think, I think Roberto Longo had an awesome career. He's in the Hockey Hall of Fame. But he spent a lot of time in other places. Well, was he not in Florida longer than he was in Vancouver? For sure. For sure. The heart of his career, the best of his career was all Vancouver. And his... Uh, is his jersey already retired in Florida? That's a good question. I think they had. Didn't they have the night last year? I think year? they did. They did have the it, night last it year. It might be too divided. Oh, is it? I don't know. But he played, what, eight seasons for the Canucks total? Yeah. Like, that's hard to retire a sweater for a guy who played eight seasons, didn't win a cup. You know, like. You know what the crazy part is? What? You just win one One, game and it's a no-brainer. Seven. Yeah, no-brainer. And... All day long. Yeah, they retire your junior number, your minor hockey number. Man, do you remember the trade from uh, Florida to Vancouver? I believe Markstrom was involved. Blockbuster. Markstrom. uh, No, that was the second one. The one from Florida to Vancouver the first time in 2006. Bertuzzi, Brian oh, Allen, yeah, Alex yeah. Ald. Oh, the first one, yeah. And a yeah. conditional pick in the 2007 draft. Big, big give up, but they win. Yep. They win the trade. Mm-hmm. Luongo's save percentage over like those his, years in Vancouver, 921, 917, 920, 913, 928, some, some 919. People, some people were saying, well, Kirk McLean, uh, 
doesn't have his jersey re- uh, retired. Right. So, but that's because Luongo's Long in the Hall of Fame. I know. You know. I know, but both of them got to game seven. Right. I see. That's all. Yep. And God, they got smoked, didn't they, on a couple occasions? In, but they also won some squeakers. Series? If you have a worse goalie, I think they won. What did you say, Sammy? You won nothing? They, they won, won. They cup? won one nothing twice in the, in the cup final. Like. And they also lost 8 1. It's a weird series. Really weird series. It and was, then you're it at was home. all in Vancouver. When he was at home, they would win these squeakers to go to Boston and just did, get pumped. Did they get shut out in game seven? Yeah, they lost four nothing. Four nothing. I remember uh Patrice was it Patrice Burns on the they burned the town down. Yeah. And Marchand. They just What listen, okay. I've always had this thought. What would happen in Toronto if they lost a game seven? Game seven of the cup final? Party. I, a somber walk You're going to have a party when you win game seven in the first round. No, but they lost game seven in the final. You don't think people maybe punch a window? I think there'll probably be some pissed That's off. a bunch of so dumb happy. dummies, if you ask me. They'd be so happy for a month oh, and a half. Oh, come on, Kippy. A month and a half. <laughs> you told me that you get out of the first round. You don't care what happens. You told me that. Is that true? I you care. That's a lie. He doesn't, <laughs> he doesn't even know. I, <laughs> that's what happens when you turn into a super fan. Oh, God. I just, yeah, it'd be nice to see them win around. So Luongo goes uh, in front of the Vancouver faithful, takes the mic at the opening of the game last night and says, you know, I know there's a lot of talk about uh, me being up there as in the ring of honor or versus up there. And he goes, I want you to know, I don't care about that. I just, I'm happy to be here with you and be honored and says all the right Luongo-y things. Yeah. I thought it was pretty crazy that he addressed, addressed that head on because the people making the decisions are presumably Rutherford, Alvin, Caston Gay, is it Cam Granato? You know, I assume they're making those decisions and they're at the game aware that he's aware of this awkwardness. Like, it's too bad that there's awkwardness, but I think, end of the day, it's he's just trying to control, like, a riot breaking out. <laughs> Hang on to the Molotov cocktails, <laughs> folks. Uh, but, you know, he's always, now he's... He's beloved he there. And they should it, hang half his number in Florida and half good. in Vancouver. As Derek pointed out to me, for four straight season, seasons, he played above 70 games. Wow. From That's 2000, so much hockey. 70, and his numbers se- are good too, right? 72 yeah. games, 75 games, 76 games in 06, 07, 73. And he also played 60 games, one, two, That sounds three, to me times. like that's five times. Be Derek the sound of a horse. That is. the He is a career. 919. Horses. <laughs> Luongo right there. He's a career 919 save percentage yeah. guy, and that's 19 seasons, 489, 392, and 124. He played a bajillion hockey games, and in playoffs, 70 hockey games, a 918, just about as good in the postseason. Gold medal with Canada. Mm-hmm. That's Hall of Fame. For sure. That's He's a Hall of Famer. No doubt. And this close to being a Toronto Maple Leaf. Mm-hmm. And I would have been talking glowingly about him. If you you would have been yeah. for sure. Okay, where do you want to? Did we mention uh, Jason Robertson hat trick? Yeah, uh, you're good with that. 17 point streak. Yeah, yeah, one behind. How come nobody edge. mentions that? Do you have 17 games? 17. Po- I didn't actually know that. I just I, saw it on the notes. Yeah, um, because he yep, doesn't play that, for the Toronto Maple Leafs. That's correct. Yeah, and people care. Walk, Andrew reason. Walker and you got yeah. into it on well, Twitter listen, today over this. I, I see a lot of people kind of bristling that it doesn't matter for the point streak. Like, oh, you know, it's. I think it matters because it's on the Leafs and it's a historic franchise and he's going for a record. You're saying it doesn't matter? That, that streak doesn't think, matter? I think people outside of Toronto 
down to this is a national story. Walker's point was that it's the 40th longest streak in NHL history. Mm-hmm. But you see a lot but of... it's co- the longest for the Maple Leafs, yeah. and they're the Maple Leafs. Yeah, so it matters. Yeah. Matters to me. Uh, Steven Stamkos gets 1,000 points. How many active players in the NHL do you think have 1,000 points? Great question. Thank you. 10? I'll say yeah, under ten. You guys are both really good. It's eight. That mm. was bang on. Yeah. Um Can I name them? Pat Kane, Malkin, Sid, Sid, Sid Ovi. Ovi, Corey Perry. Oh, for sure. Yeah. I don't know. Do you have a list? No. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> oh my god! You were looking so like you had the Cadbury secret sauce. I was ready. Recipe. Oh, we can pull it up. We all got Google for crying yeah, out loud. Yeah, yeah. Uh, how, how about this? Corey Perry does not have a thousand. Doesn't have a thousand. No. Points. How about in NHL history? How many people have hit a thousand points? I got. I got a number for you. Oh wow! I want to uh, say hundred years of NHL yeah, history. Or I want to say forty. Uh, no, it's huge. Fifty. It's, uh, it's in the seventies. Right? It is north of that. You're on track. Yeah, I'm. I'm over a hundred. No. Not over 100, close to 100. Very. Okay. <laughs> 98. Yeah, so, okay. 95. Yeah, I was like, yeah. I was going right at 100, and I thought it was north of 100. 95 people have 1,000 points. That's uh, a really exclusive club. If you, it is. The amount of people that have played in the NHL. And let me tell you something. 1,000, 15, 20 years ago, mm-hmm. automatic Hall of Famer. Yeah. Um, automatic. Not anymore. Now, Rod Brindamore is winning Selkie trophies with 1,000 points in a cup, and they're like, ah. All right. So it's off the rails Friday. I answer some questions. And I got an off-the-rails question for no, you guys. Don't. Uh, Let's do it. I just want to go. This is for, I just want to go home for the weekend this, quietly right this now. This is from Puppethead on, uh, on the YouTube comments. Would the game be better if the goalies had to serve their own penalties, forcing the back, back <laughs> up to step in and play? No, it would be another delay, and it wouldn't. <laughs> but really how great would it, how game. great would it be to have the visual period, of the goalie great. going in there and sitting? Just yeah, <laughs> with no replacement. Then <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> it gets I, interesting. I do want to hear the idea, or I don't mind the idea that why should you get to ice the puck because you took a penalty? Like you committed a foul, and now you get to cheat? Like no, you could never ice it. Now you still can't ice it. You got a guy less. And I don't think they should get do to bring I the guy out. Do I want to see fourteen icings? There'd have to be in like the a, next two yeah. minutes. There'd have to be a it's delay horrible. game penalty or something, like three icings on the PP and, it, and or in the PK and yeah, another penalty. That's that's the issue. Yeah, I get it. That it the theory sounds correct, right? But the optics would just kill your game. Yeah, probably. I don't think they should come out after if they score on the power play. Full two. Yeah, two minutes regardless. Yeah. Oh, my God, the Oilers would be like, yes, let's do it. <laughs> but then, you know, you'd be thinking about getting one quick and keeping it out there. It changes the strategy a little bit, no? Yeah. Oh, God. I, this, what is this, Jeff Merrick's show? Change Listen, I love you, game. Jeff, but we don't, we don't need to game. do Fix green ice stuff here. I like, right? I like this let's guy. Now the second unit comes out. Let's just 10 seconds left three. in the box. Let's just start. Let's like. Let's not add. Let's I'll eliminate. I'll lose the shootout. Oh, we're doing it. We're doing stuff like this. Okay. We're All right. Derailing. Here's from uh, here's Total derail. for, from Johnny Ferrari on YouTube. Here's a question: Why is Zach Aston Reese playing over everybody else? Any opinion on over that? Who Wayne Simmons? Um, pictures. 
He's got pictures on somebody. Oh, come on. He's been good. I'm just teasing. He's been good. I, who else do you play? Like, Simmons? Been okay. Is, I you mean, can argue for Wayne Simmons. Good. Like, what he, is great? What is... He doesn't make okay. mistakes. He doesn't make mistakes. Maybe that's good enough. This is the Leafs thing now. They want non-mistake makers. I've said this on the show before, but Kyle Dubas has said, if he could take the, all the fastest guys, all the strongest guys, all the smartest guys, he wants the smartest guys. Zach seems to stand in the right spot a lot. And I just knocked over a water bottle. But, you know, they want that. He's no Ferrari. No. Like Johnny. But he is reliable. What would you say? He's an Oldsmobile or something. His his, his, uh, time on ice, it's very consistent. Was he getting nine a night? No, 11, 53, 12, 48, 13, 13, 12, 11, 12. See, they're using him. Yeah, like he just kind of plays. Those are good numbers. Well, because he kills penalties. Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's right. That helps. And he's not scared to put him on uh, late in a period. And meanwhile, you got a guy like Mulgan who is not on the special teams. I don't even know who's on the Leafs' second power play, and that's not a joke. I there don't. is no such thing as a second power play. I know. Play Engvall's on it. I, honestly, it probably it, is. is. Something like Engvall, yeah. Kerfoot, yeah. Bunting, mm-hmm. Sandine, when Riley's, yeah. Anyway. They, have, uh, they had the, the two defensemen on it for the second unit uh, at practice today. All right. So uh, I got another, right. another question here for you. Good. Um, this is from, where is it from here? Oh, hey, don't you have to ask the same question someone asks you all the time? Oh, mm-hmm. yeah. The guy, you're right. Maybe I'll ask that question. It's from Mario Kart. I don't even know if he's on the YouTube chat today, but he asks every single day to ask me, to ask you, Kipper, what do you think about Pierre Engvall for Max Domi? Every day he asks me that. Max Domi signed... Three million for one year in Chicago. Mm-hmm. That is deal. I don't know what the number is, but he had offered his services to the Toronto Maple Leafs for a lot less. Really? And the Leafs said, "No, thank you." Really? So, in the summer, obviously. Yeah. Wow. Max Domi. Yeah. Would be like the, I don't know, third or fourth leading scorer goals-wise in the league. Seven goals, nine assists, I 16 think, points. I think Max would have come in here and just, you know, given them a feel that they still don't have. Little Matthew Kachuk light. Just a little bit of just... You know, I'm, a, I'm a little goofy right now, so don't uh, piss me off because I can do something... You know, so I it's just I like the wires this. can cross. He could the wires can cross. I don't mind at least one guy in the lineup Me too. where the wires can cross. You need a squirrely guy. Yeah. But I'd fight my mom to win there another game. But here's the thing, and this is boring, uh, pragmatic thinking. But like Engvall does kill penalties, and he kills them well, and he gets in the way, and he's down the rink, and he's like one of their top PK guys. Listen, I. I and I hate watching it every night. Me too. <laughs> so I'm score a big goal. He's a big guy. Did you see him shirtless right? with him in the Mitch Marner video? His back has more muscles than my entire body has ever had. <laughs> There's just something to be said that when you see a hockey club and you see a couple of big guys, it's noticeable and it's he's a presence out there when he's just but just by being big. But I think he's and lost he can, some of that. If he if he can stay involved in the in the play and not get lost, he can be effective, no question. Yeah, who tried to fight him in playoffs? But, Brandon Hagel, and he didn't do it? Not I don't that know. I can, you him, a, can you win with Engvall in the playoffs? Yeah. Just start there. Sure, yes. 
I mean, look. You, but he's, what are you saying yes for? Well, go through the roster they've, of they've won, won Stanley Cups. What proof do you have? I mean, proof is that previous teams that have won Cups. They've won nine games in the playoffs with them in the first round. Yeah, I mean. <laughs> the answer, the, the right answer is, I don't know. That's the right answer, not yes. Well, of course it's I don't know until you do it, but you look at some of the teams who win cups, they've all got a guy or two who you're like, oh, that guy won a cup, huh? Yeah. yeah. Oh, Kalorn, Palat. No, those are guys with a capital G. That's not. So well, just give me some guys then because they're not just Engvalls that happen to be in the, you know, they play hard. Engvall doesn't would... play hard all the time. No, he doesn't. I don't know. I can't think of anyone. Okay. Everyone who wins That's a Stanley homework, Dave. Notice. Everyone who wins a Stanley Cup is a Hall of Famer. Um, just going back on our conversation about America and how good they are at hockey, I just wanted to look at their. Why team. are we doing that as a theme? Because it's off the rails Friday, and he I can just, do whatever he wants. I got my AD. My ADD is kicking in hard. But you think about we we're talking about the forwards, right? You know, Austin, Eichel, Robertson, Tage Thompson, Kreider, the Kachucks, Hellebuck, and that. <laughs> That's a good team. Think about their decor: McAvoy, Fox, Truba. Slavin, Carlson. Was oh, there struggling right now in New York? Canada underdogs? For sure. Hurt, though, you thought. Yeah. yeah. But yeah something's going on. He sh- I don't think he should be playing. I actually think wrist. that. I think we should actually cancel all best on best forever. <laughs> You're afraid of the USA? 100%. Did we, uh, 100%. Did we talk Jack Campbell enough for you? He won't be on their team. It's just. Bold prediction. Oh, I thought you meant the it's, Oilers, it's, not the U of. I, I watched enough S&A. last night. And he just has no physical presence. His, he was, his body language to yeah. me is like sunk. Shrinking. Shrinking. Yeah. Pathetic the way I've been playing. Oh, poor oh. Jack. I mean, who, who else said that I suck? Uh, Markstrom. Markstrom came out 13 seconds into the game last night to the blue line to chase a puck down. So relax, man. You're a goalie. Do the goal thing. Too... too too honest now on post-game comments out of goalies. I know. Well, it sounds like... They got to get some Peter Morazic in him. No, I'm fine. <laughs> You're right. I'm going to be all right. I'm sounds fine. like Sutter gives it to Markstrom pretty good behind the scenes. I think I think he's God, Markstrom's a beaten man. It would not be fun to be a bat attendee struggling. I'm going to be in Carter Hart, and you got to go look at torts after the game after you give one up from center ice. Yeah, no thanks. But Soupy, you know, old Campbell there, it wasn't just the pucks that went in for me last night. I... Watching that game pretty close. Every time he touched the puck, he's into sight. Mil- Milan Borian out there, just giving oh, pucks away. Just <laughs> no confidence right now. No confidence at all. Um, through thirteen starts this year, seven six and zero, oh, with a four one two goals against and an eight seven two save. I listen, boys. Early in the year, you know, I was. Yeah, we know. You're all over him. We know. I've completely flipped. I feel awful. <laughs> I, like, I, I don't enjoy it anymore. Like, now I, I look know. at the box score every night, I'm like, oh, Jackie, you, again. You wanted the least to not get embarrassed by not keeping him. You didn't want him to, like, fail out of the yes. league in, in three months. Yes. like it's, you know, it's not happening, by the way. I'm just being dramatic. Yeah. I don't know. You might need Does a Does he get condition. claimed on waivers? Oh, not a chance. Uh, $5 million goalie with... The worst numbers in the league. Uh, probably not. Four years less than him <laughs> didn't get claimed. Yeah, go get Cal Peterson. His numbers are worse somehow. Oh, uh, Got to see him turn it around. Like, I and you, can you make up your mind on Edmonton if they're no. a team that can? They look like every other Edmonton team over the past seven years, where it's like McDavid and Drysidle do awesome things and they win. 
They don't. They don't. Goaltending's questionable. D's and not great. This is the exact Oilers uh, team they've been. They Dem- miss Evander Kane. Did you see so Demko do- go down? Yes. That was, was it like he's not good. Hamstring? Yeah, it was or that. knee. I don't know. That. Whatever it was. They you can not put weight on it. They can't defend, eh? No. No interest in Predictions it. Predictions for the Fords don't want to do it. Predictions. Predictions. Uh over. I'll time. take Tampa Bay by a goal. In a very good game. Marner sets the points record? Yes. They lose an OT. I'll go Leafy's win, 4-2. All right. Our thanks to John Cooper, head coach of the Tampa Bay Lightning, Doug McLean, former NHL president and GM, and Dave Nonis, who was uh, fun to t- catch up to, and uh, we'll bring him back next week. Thanks for watching. Thanks for listening. Give us a rating and review, as JB had asked for, and we'll see you all on Monday. Safe weekend, everyone.